This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Everybody, what a glorious Sunday morning! So beautiful outside. Got a couple announcements for you. Our May schedule is up for our Zoom calls and our different meetings online. If you want to get connected to any of those, you can go to our website. Also, if you have any questions, you can reach us at info at paradisecalvary.com. Also, um, we're keeping the things that we have planned for this year. We're not canceling anything, and we wanted to give you a little reminder that we have our annual church camping trip coming up. So if you haven't signed up for that, go ahead and sign up. If you need more info, again, you can email us at info at paradisecalvary.com. Take the time off of work so you can join us. We go up in the mountains. We're there from Friday until Monday. We have a church service up in the mountains on Sunday, and it is definitely one of the highlights of the year for us. As a church, I always, we see amazing things, people's lives change, we do testimonies around the campfire at night, it's a really good time, so keep that in mind and come on up and join us. If you have any prayer requests, you can email us at prayer at paradisecalvary.com, which we want to be praying for you, we want to be here for you, so definitely let us know how we can be praying for you, we've got a prayer chain that we can put that out on. We also have a prayer group that, that and, and some really faithful prayer warriors that are always praying for the needs that we give to them. So go ahead and do that, prayer at paradisecalvary.com. And then our giving options, you can give through our website. website. We have a text to tithe, and then also the church box is here, so you can worship in that way. Open with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to be continuing our study through the Gospel of Matthew, and the title of today's message is Glimpse of the Glory. Glimpse of the Glory. You know what it's like to be exposed to something, uh, like a movie trailer. You watch a movie trailer, and, and they do the best that they can to get your attention and to draw you in so that you say, man, I got to see that movie when it comes out. Or maybe it's already out, and I just gotta watch that movie. Uh, same kind of idea with a with a test drive. You get a you go to the car lot, and you look at the different cars, and you take it for a test drive, and they're hoping that you really enjoy it, so that you you buy it or an open house. It's it's to give you a little glimpse into what you can have, what you can be experiencing, and and what we're looking at this morning is Jesus in the in the small portion of text that we're in. We're going to look at four different things that. Jesus is giving the people a little glimpse into the glory of the kingdom of heaven. There's been a lot of questions. There's been a lot of back and forth to to some degree. And and in the next week, we're going to see Jesus directly addressing the Pharisees and Sadducees. But this week, it's it's him just showing a little bit, just a little taste of the glory. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this morning to be here in your name, Lord. And 
Father, we pray that you would speak to us today through your word. We pray, Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear, that we would have ears to hear, that, that, that we would receive what instruction you have for us, that, that we would have fertile soil in our hearts to receive the sowing of your word so that we could produce fruit to your glory. We know, Lord, your word says that apart from you, we can do nothing, and we want to be John 15 fruit bearers for you, Lord. So, Father, sow your word into us, Lord. Thank you for that time of worship that we could offer you, the fruit of our lips, this time in your word that we can worship you through the study and application of your word, and also, Father, through the tithes and offerings. We pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be done in compulsion, but that it would be done as a form of worship. You are good, and you alone are worthy to be praised. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Glimpse of the glory, starting in chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Let's pause there for a second. Uh, The first of our four points is Jesus had no discrimination. Now, we might see, we might question that as the story unfolds, but he's going to this area that is heavily, heavily Gentile populated, and we see that Jesus, whenever anybody asked him for help, he was willing to help them. And it's interesting that we're here this morning because the last week or so, there's been a lot of talk that maybe that you can agree or, or disagree with, but I've heard a lot of talk of discrimination. And God is not discriminatory. Is that a word? I don't think it worked. God does not discriminate. He doesn't look at you and say, you're not good enough. Guess what? You're all not good enough. All fall short of the glory of God. He does not discriminate. And we see in the Bible from the very early days, if we grew up going to church, what's the first Bible verse that you learned? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, I memorized it in the King James Version, so I can't, I can't get away from it. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does that say? Whoever, whoever believes in him, whoever confesses, whoever repents, whoever wants it. God doesn't say, oh, you know what? You confessed, but I don't like you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. We never see that in Scripture. And whenever, whenever anybody makes a confession of faith, God is there to receive them. So he goes out into the highways and the byways, and, and he calls, come, come, be part, take part of the feast. You're invited. Psalm chapter 72 Verse 17 says, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in his name. All nations shall call him blessed. Most nations, a couple nations, one nation, the nation of Israel, all nations. Because he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't point fingers If we come with hearts of repentance in an attitude of faith, he receives us. And this is exemplified in the next point. Point number two is no faith 
no thirst, no service. I know that that's really corny, but I couldn't think of anything else. I got a little bit more chuckles before, but. If you don't have faith, if you're not hungry, if you're not thirsty, then Jesus doesn't have to meet you. But here we have verse 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed, but he answered her not a word. Is that discriminatory? Um, I don't know. I don't think so, because we're going to see as the story unfolds that, that Jesus does minister to her. We have this woman who comes to him, a, a woman of Canaan. We understand that the Canaanites are ancient enemies of Israel. Does everybody understand that? Old Testament? The Canaanites were always coming against the Israelites, and they had major problems. Here's this Canaanite woman coming to Jesus and asking him for help. You know, this is probably the most significant, most important prayer that you can pray. I pray this prayer more than any other prayer. What does she pray? Lord, help me. <laughs> it's the simplest thing to say. I pray it multiple times a day. <laughs> Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And even though he didn't say anything, we know for a fact that he heard. He heard her. And he's going to respond to her. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, you know it. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's an expectation, a hope that you're going to receive something that you can't tangibly, physically put your hands on and understand. This woman's demonstrating that. She's demonstrating faith. Also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, we cannot partake in the kingdom of God. He doesn't discriminate against us. But there's a requirement. We have to demonstrate genuine faith that he is who he says he is. He did what he said he did, what's demonstrated that he did. And we come to him, and it's pleasing to him that we have this faith. You know, as I look around, I'm not judging people's faith. I'm not trying to judge where they're at in their life, but... As the pressure cookers turned up in these days and things are very hot and difficult, I see people doing things and saying things that are contrary to what they said before they believed. We talked about last week from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually, if you're spewing, if you're talking, if you're dialoguing, what you really believe is going to start to come out of your life and what you say to each other, to other people. And right now, there's a crisis of faith that people are having. You know, I, I, I kind of don't like when people make statements or comments about this is what's wrong with the American church. Because most of the people that I know that say this is what's wrong with the American church have never been to another church in another part of the world. So 
before we start making judgments and start making statements about the American church, go to another country and go to a church. You know what? They're sinners too. It's humanity across the board. We still struggle with the same problems in different countries, and maybe we look a little bit different, but we still have the same shortcomings and and the same failings, and it's still only purely by the grace of God that we're saved. By the grace of God that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. That's the church. Not any individual country representation of the church that's the church and jesus said when the son of man returns will he find faith on the earth faith is one of the if not the most important element of what you say you believe it's going to come out and without faith it's impossible to please him and those who say that he is that he exists must seek him in that element of faith, an expression of faith in what you believe and how that's demonstrated through your life. This woman is cheered, is exalted for her faith. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and she worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. For those of you who need biblical proof that you should not be feeding your pets from the dinner table, there it is. Jesus said, don't feed your pets from the dinner table. But the one qualifier is if it falls off the table and they eat the crumbs off, you know, that's okay. But don't be feeding your pets table food. It's not healthy. And Jesus would agree. But she says, it, uh, he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. Some people believe that, that Jesus softens the blow by calling her a little dog, almost like, you know, a puppy. Oh, but, you know, at the end of the day, a dog's a dog, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's making a strong statement to her for a purpose. And, and as a Canaanite woman, he's saying that, what he's come for were the lost, the, tri- uh, the, the sheep of the lost tribe of Israel. But her response is, look at it, revealing. Hey, church, how you respond and what you say to the things that are happening right now is going to be directly connected to what you really believe. And she believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And here she's publicly, great is your faith. And, and I would have, you know, I, w- I would need to ask us this morning to look a little deeper, dig a little deeper into your life, into your heart. Like we talked about last week, into what you say. How is your life exemplifying 
what you say you believe. Because this isn't about a, a, a national identity. It's not about being a Christian nation. It's not grouping people into the non-accountability. You know, this is what, what we represent. It's not about any of that. It's about what you believe and how it's demonstrated through your life. And I catch myself sometimes. I'll say something or I'll do something and I'm like, but that is that, huh, that's not really what I believe, is it? That's not good. We talk about being in a lifestyle of repentance. There's no time in your life that you should stop repenting. And at the point that you do, you you might be in trouble. I'm constantly uh, making mistakes and and allowing my my process of thinking to get off track. And as soon as I realize it, I say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. And whenever we cry out to the Lord for help, he always meets us. He's always faithful. When we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's who he is. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Do you know that... um, It was a double healing that day. Her daughter was healed of demon possession, but then the mother also was made whole. And this is the heart of God, to bring wholeness to our lives. This is part, this is a glimpse, this is a snapshot, this is a picture of what the kingdom of God should look like in our lives. God bringing wholeness to us. Verse 29. Jesus departed from there and skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat there. And then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Church, do you know why they glorified the God of Israel? Because they beheld his glory. They beheld his glory through Jesus touching people's lives, healing them, and to the last point one more time, making them whole. This is the business, if you will, if I can use that word, this is the business that Jesus is in. It's healing and making whole. And sometimes you can be healed of something like this and it can happen quickly. Sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes God wants to bring you through a process of healing, just like a rehab that somebody goes through, and it takes time for them to become whole. It takes time for them to be healed. But it's still directly connected to a part of God's economy. Wholeness. This is God's desire for you. It's God's desire for me. It's something that I've experienced, that I'm I'm growing in and I'm learning on a deeper level, God's desire for wholeness and healing. Point number three is the doctor is in. How about the great physician touching our lives, 
another snapshot, another glimpse into the glory of God and what his intentions are, us being part of his kingdom. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 6 says, Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. I will heal them and will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 22, there's going to be a tree that the leaves are going to be used for the healing of the nations. This is very very clearly, repetitively communicated to us through Scripture. God does not want you to live in a place of disease, death. Now, maybe we experience those things, and the emphasis and the focus isn't on health and wealth, or if you're not healthy, then you have some kind of sin in your life. It's, it's working through that and trusting God that even in an illness or sickness, you can be whole. I've talked to people that, that may be on their deathbed that were whole and were going to meet him. The multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, the blind seeing. They glorified the God of Israel it's a fulfillment of uh, the Messiah and the coming of God's kingdom. Verse 32, point number four. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And you do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Point number four is Jesus is socially sensitive. I could have used a different term i wanted to ruffle some people's feathers but i didn't do it for your sake so that you wouldn't take offense but jesus is socially sensitive he knows that people are going through things and jesus very intentionally meets their needs and he intentionally meets your needs and sometimes you don't even have to ask. You know, sometimes I, I forget to pray for the parking spot right in front of the store. And Jesus gives it to me anyway. And then I say, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, because you know my needs. No, there's a big difference between what you need and what you want. And this wasn't even something that they necessarily wanted, that they were requesting from him. It was a genuine need and it had to do with food and it had to do with food distribution jesus says i don't they've been with me for three days and i don't want them going away walking through the wilderness what if some of them one of them faints because do you know why from our message two weeks ago because jesus is the king of what Jesus is the king of compassion. He says he looked at the people and he had compassion on them. Praise God that, that God looks at you and he sees you and he has compassion on you. I let you faint in the wilderness. You should have brought something to eat. That's your own problem. Not Jesus. Jesus is compassionate. His love runs deep. Isaiah chapter 58 Verses 6 through 8 says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, 
to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall bring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. These are the things that mark kingdom citizens. This is what God has done for you. This is what God has done for me. This is what should come from our lives. And is it our righteousness in the end? When we feed the poor? When we let the needy in? When we address the needs? Is it our righteousness that shines? It's His righteousness. Because apart from Him, I can do nothing. Apart from Him, I am not letting creepy people in my house. And I still don't, you know suggest that you do let creepy people in your house but the the point is you'll do more in the name of the lord i mean you'll do you'll do that's connected to what you say you believe it's going to be what you have experienced yourself and then when it comes out like a light in the darkness we have the privilege to point people back to him and say, this is the glimpse that I saw. This is the, the place that I dwell. This is the place that I live. You're welcome to come here too. And all it takes is a little bit of faith. By grace you've been saved through faith, not by works lest anyone should boast. By the grace of God then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? They must have forgotten where he got it last time. Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks broke them and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude so they all ate and were filled they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left now those who ate were four thousand men besides women and children and he sent away the multitude got into the boat and came to the region of magdala it is never okay to use the excuse I don't have enough to help because whatever you have can very well be taken and multiplied when it's given into the hands of Jesus. And this is something that I, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing in theory. Now the preacher guy can talk about it, but you know, hey, put your money where your mouth is. Get out there and start serving and start loving and start blessing people and start giving of the little that you have because it's not until you do that will you see the thousands fed. Will you see people's lives changed? We've seen the little that's been offered and the great that's come from it over and over and over again. God never wants us to focus on our physical deficiencies. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's like, you guys, and, and that, I love that verse because he's, he's like, you guys are offering me cattles and stuff. I own them all. 
like everything in the world. You, you offer sacrifices to me, but what I require is obedience. This is not something that we do, offering the little we have as a form of sacrifice. That's, that's uh, anti-biblical for this position. It's not what we have to offer God, it's what we can to see a little bit of the glory, the glory of God. My favorite prayer in the New Testament is the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day, or give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against you. The kingdom and the glory are his. He wants to give us a little glimpse of it now. Those four things in closing, let's look at them again. Number one, a region. A region outside of where Jesus was ministering because Jesus showed no discrimination. There is no color. There is no geographical location that you have to live to get to know who Jesus is. He does not discriminate. And, and if he comes or to you, don't let that be an excuse. I remember uh, before I went to Bible college in, in Europe that I was a truck driver. I don't know if you guys remember, I've told this story before, but I was in the Teamsters Union and I was a truck driver and there was a big uh, pipeline project from Wyoming down to New Mexico and I was driving this truck where we were stringing these pipes for a gas line down to New Mexico and I was very zealous in my faith, and I would share with these other truck drivers. I'd be listening to SOS, and, and whenever uh, a pastor was preaching on the radio or a prayer, I would put it on my, my CB, my radio, and broadcast it to everybody else's trucks, and I was always, and they were, you know, some people were nice. A lot of them made fun of me. There was this one guy from New York City who hated me. And he would always be talking about how God wasn't real and he was an atheist. And he would just, he would come out full strength, the first one to have something that, uh, to oppose what I was saying. I'll never forget the job was coming to an end. And one of the last days he said, hey, Tim, I want to talk to you. And he pulled me aside by ourselves and we were talking by ourselves. And he just, he just came unglued, he was weeping. He said, Tim, you keep talking about God and how he's good and how he's gracious God could never forgive me for some of the things that I've done. And he went on to share some of the things that he had done in New York when he was part of the, the mafia. And he said, God can never accept me. And I said, this is where you're wrong. God paid the price for all of those things through the blood of his only son, Jesus Christ. And you have been reconciled. When you make that confession in repentance and receive Jesus, you will re be redeemed and brought back to a right relationship with God. He does not discriminate. I hear people say things like, I can't come to church. You know, you invite somebody to church. I can't come to church. The roof will fall in on me. He doesn't. Di hey, we know you're a loser. We're losers. I'm a loser too. If the roof is caving in on anybody, it's caving in on me. Lightning will strike me. Listen, God doesn't discriminate. He paid the price once and for all so that we could behold his glory. Number two, a person, this woman, true faith. None of this baloney of 
this is what I marked on the ballot. This is the box that I checked. No, not that stuff. But actually allowing what you say to be, to, that you say you believe to be demonstrated through your life. And not, again, not because you have to, not because you have to offer some kind of sacrifice to, to garner God's favor. Because it's what you do really believe. It's what you actually believe. I go to In-N-Out because I know that it's the best hamburger in Las Vegas. Just trying to help you guys out here in a rough crowd. Number three, the disabled. He heals. He makes you whole. How many of you guys out there are disabled? Man, I need, I need God to touch my life. And he heals, he heals, and he is healing. We allow ourselves to be submitted to the process of healing that he desires when we are called to the supper, the wedding supper of the Lamb, and we get to partake as part of the citizens of his kingdom. Number four, the needy. Who's needy? Jesus is needs-oriented. God is needs-oriented. He knows what you need. The little birds, they don't worry about where their food's going to come from. Look, they're always happy. I get mad. Stop singing. I'm trying to sleep. Because they're not worried about what their their next meal is. We shouldn't be worried. God knows your needs. Hey, guess what? He knows your wants, too. But, but he's more concerned with your needs. And he's going to take care of you. He doesn't want you to faint in the wilderness. Oh, God, I'm going to pass out and faint. He knows. He knows where you're at. And you could be confident that when you, when you cry out to him, when you ask, that he's going to, to meet you. Especially in these days. Man, God is meeting so many people. You guys know that he's meeting so many people. And so many people that I know have said that they believed one thing. They say they believe something or they have faith in something, but their lives are looking a little bit different when things get really difficult. Start acting different, start saying things differently. Let's make sure that as we confess Jesus as Lord, that we're actually living like he's Lord as well. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today and for speaking to us, for not being silent. And even if we're not necessarily hearing something that we want to hear, we know that you're the king of compassion and that you desire to to communicate with us. And we can open your word. We can talk to a brother or a sister. You are faithful to meet us, God. Faithful to talk. We thank you for giving us, through this text this morning, a little glimpse of the glory, a little glimpse of of what your heart is for your people. And we pray, God, that's what you would be working, that's what you would be doing. And we thank you for it.